Hey everyone, this is the last of our summer break replays while we have a little rest over the new year. Here's a really sweet one from our archive. Um, hopefully it doesn't leave you in a coma. We're doing sugar, aren't we? Yes, we're doing sugar. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Hi, you're listening to Ingredipedia, a factual food fight podcast where each episode we pick an ingredient and swap some facts and uses and stories for it back and forth over three rounds. I'm Ben Virtual and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Emily Naismith. Hello. How are you? Good. We've got a big episode today. It is. It's one of those big ones. Yeah. It was really overwhelming. Stirred up lots of feelings. Did it? Yeah. You had feelings. <clears throat> yeah. I just had lots of Civil War facts. Yeah. I saw a few things and I'm like, no, nah, Ben's going to do that. No, I did. <laughs> I can, I'm going to forward announce it. There are no Civil War facts in this episode. Oh, okay, cool. Because uh, on that mention of Civil War, my mum just instantly went to sleep. <laughs> that, that was her feedback, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Whenever you start talking about the Civil War, she falls your asleep. Your mum falls asleep. We uh, we also got some listener feedback from your sister. Oh, yeah. Uh, a few weeks <laughs> back. Uh, okay, well, let's go to uh, what the message said. It was about our Mandarin episode. Um, Mandarin. She said she especially liked the bit where you said it tastes like the bottom of a school bag. Uh, laughing, crying emoji. And then she said, tell Ben each of his three facts were actually really interesting this time. <laughs> He's improving. Thank you, Annie. Really appreciate that listener feedback. If anybody else has any <laughs> listener feedback, you can hit us up on ingredipedia.com. Well, actually, you won last week with Mandarin, or the, a few weeks ago with Mandarin. Yeah. So, you know, my family might listen, but you seem to have real people fans <laughs> last week. I've just got a really, really big family. Yeah. Now, what are we talking about today in this big episode that you had feelings about? We're talking about... Delicious, delicious sugar. Delicious, dangerous mm, sugar dangerous. as well. Yeah. Delicious but deadly. Uh, it is a big one. Um, so let's get into it. Cool. I'm going to start off with huge, huge news. Whoa. I don't think we've had anything this big on Ingredipedia ever is, you're, before. You're breaking something. Um, I'm blowing something wide open. Whoa. Yep. Um, changing the game. This is some insider knowledge that not everyone is privy to that will actually blow your mind. Okay. Um, I want to talk Tic Tacs. Okay. Um, my favorite flavor, which I've got here is orange. What's yep. your favorite flavor? Orange. Yeah. Duh. Um, so, you know, not a massive buyer of Tic Tacs, but I, you know, I see the ads and the ads are all about being less than two calories. And in the past, they've also been marketed as having zero sugar. And that's how they're still marketed in America. Mm. Get ready for it. So, yeah, they're kind of seen as like healthy, I guess. Like you just have one and then it doesn't really count towards anything. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. You just have fresh breath. But Tic Tacs are labeled as zero sugar despite the fact that sugar is its primary ingredient. And there's a loophole. How do they get away with I that? I know, there's a loophole. Because if a single serving contains less than 0.5 grams of sugars, 
the company's allowed to express the amount of sugar in a serving as zero. And so one serving is one Tic Tac. And one Tic Tac weighs just under 0.5 of a gram. And this is in America. In America, US federal regulations state that if a single serving contains less than 0.5 grams of sugar, it's allowable to express the amount of sugar in a serving as zero. So that is based on so many assumptions. Yeah. One that, well, the main one is that a, ser- a serving of Tic Tacs <laughs> is one Tic Tac. No one's ever, no one has ever eaten one Tic Tac. Does that in mean in their advertising they have to show people just eating one Tic Tac? Well, now that I think about it, I think PK's two, Tic Tac's one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. That's how they, yep. that's um, how they do it. it I, let me go on because I'm not finished <laughs> <Okay>. yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You'd think that maybe people would know this if they were to read the ingredient list on the back, but there is no ingredient list or nutritional info on the back because the Food Services Code advises that if a package size has a surface area of less than 100 centimetres squared, it's not required to have an ingredient or nutritional panel. Ooh. Crazy. And that, that's in Australia, by the way, so that's why they don't have it um, written on the back of the packs. But they do have it written on the website, which mm. I checked. And yet the number one ingredient is sugar, followed by maltodextrin, <laughs> mm. followed by rice starch. <laughs> but yeah, crazy. You probably weren't ready for such a scoop no. on Ingredipedia. I, I'm just worried that we the website's not going to have the bandwidth yeah, to, no. to cope with it. Yeah. <sighs> I need to take a deep breath. Mm. I like I really pity you having to follow that because you're well, you're not going to read that. Reach those let's dizzying heights. just see how <laughs> I go. Emily, what does the name Jakob Christoph Rad mean to you? Hmm, doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it will at the end of this mind-blowing <laughs> fact that is definitely better than your Tic Tac one. Uh, how much do you know about sugar in the 17th and 18th century? Oh, nothing. Well, sugar was popular. Uh, it was hard to get and it was uh, definitely seen as uh, an aspirational ingredient. But it also was very inconvenient to eat. It came in huge lumps called sugar loaf. And you had to hack away at the loaf to get the sugar to put in your tea or... Uh, make your desserts with what, what I, with what I imagine, you know, like a small axe or something like that. I don't know what they used, <laughs> but um, this is what happened in the 1840s when Juliana Rad, who was married to Jakob Christoph Rad, uh, was doing when she cut her finger, chopping the sugar off the loaf. She complained to her husband, uh, perhaps while waving her bandaged, bandaged hand, according to this article, and. As she said, why can't why don't they make units of sugar that would come perfectly sized for one cup of tea? It just so happened that Jakob Christoph Rad was the head of a sugar refining company in Moravia, which I've looked into is now part of modern Czech Republic, I believe. Uh, and so he went, that is a great idea, and invented the sugar cube. He pressed the sugar into a small cube designed to... Uh, be you know one serving in a in a cup of tea. He patented the press in 1843, uh, 
it didn't quite take off. It took decades before the sugar cube became widespread in Europe. And uh, another factory was built in the 1870s, and it took off from there. Also, because your mind doesn't look like it's blown, as yep. to that's why the sugar cube <laughs> was invented, uh, his name was Rad. Yeah. And he had 16 kids. Is wow. there anything that sugar can't do? So the lady that actually invented it, was that his wife? That was his wife. So she, she didn't invent it. She cut her finger and went, this is too hard. Why are we hacking away at these sugar loaves? Yeah. Why can't you make something smaller? And so he invented the sugar cube. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's a cool fact. Oh, all right. It's not the Tic Tac <laughs> one. Fuck so three o'clock sugar cravings, like the th- to combat the three o'clock slump. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. That's not an invention of advertising. That is what I battle every day. At work. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky that I, we work 10 steps from a supermarket because I can just go down there anytime and access a whole the whole world of the confectionery aisle and the biscuit aisle yeah. to um, bring me back to life. Um, when I'm comatose at my desk at three o'clock every day. Um, and we do have like a snack board at Broadsheet where we plot snacks on a y-axis for price and x-axis for how good they are yeah which i'll go into a bit later but first of all i wanted to find out why the three o'clock slump happens and why you crave sugar at three Mm o'clock first of all it's to do with our circadian rhythms yeah we naturally feel tired at 3 p.m which is why smart countries such as italy have siestas yeah it's clever but it's also because of sugar or more specifically due to the amount of insulin produced after certain meals so lunchtime which can trigger our happy and sleep hormones. Um, an article in the Huffington Post quotes Robbie Clark, a dietitian and sports nutritionist, and he says, after eating, particularly sugary foods, insulin is, is produced by the pancreas, which then converts these sugars circulating in the bloodstream into glycogen within our cells. Mm-hmm. Excessive secretion of insulin causes the ex- essential amino acid tryptophan, which we learned about in the turkey episode. Yeah, we did to move into the brain. Once in the brain, it leads to increased production of serotonin and melatonin, which are the two neurotransmitters that have a calming effect and help regulate sleep. So the obvious, but maybe not super helpful way to combat this is with more sugar. And I know that's bad. I know you should go outside for a walk, eat small meals throughout the day, have something called macronutrient rich meals, but obviously snacks are more fun and better Mm. and are the real answer here. Yeah, always. So to take you a little bit through my ranking, my favorites at work, um, my number one go-to is chocolate royals. I've introduced a few people on my team to chocolate royals. They had no idea what it is and it yeah, blew like their mind. Yeah, like an Arnott's biscuit yeah. with like the caramel in it. And... No, it's biscuit on the bottom, yeah. jam in the middle, and then pink marshmallow on top oh. and then covered in oh, chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're my favorite. Yeah, they're good. Um, and Mars Bar Pods, they're my second favorite. Mm-hmm. Alan's Peaches and Cream, they're a new variety of, um, of lollies that they've brought out in the last few years. Can they're I just ask favorite. you, like, how, are you like smashing the whole bag of pods and the whole bag of, um, <laughs> I'm well, not trying to shame you, <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, speaking of the Peaches and Cream, sometimes I smash the whole bag before I get back up to the desk and then pretend I've just gone down to 
buy Royals when really I've already eaten the whole bag of lollies just because yeah. I'm in such a state of death. Yeah. Um, and also I sit next to Marcus, who is the chocolate lord, who once ranked the top 50 chocolate bars. That, yeah. Um, we should share. We should share that article. Yeah. It's, a fa- it's, a, it's famous on it, the internet. It's famous on in the our internet. part of the world. Yeah. Um, number four, back to this all-important list, Venetian biscuits. Do you know those biscuits? No. They're like kind of nana biscuits. They're just like biscuit and then they've got um, white chocolate on top and kind of like, oh, like little bits of currants yeah. in them. I love those. I didn't they're know so that's what cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm... We've talked about this before. We used to work together. Yeah. I don't remember you ever bringing Venetians into the office when we worked together. That's because we were in a desolate, arid yeah. land of nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> we weren't far <laughs> from Peter Monty's, But okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, I feel like I've missed out a bit, but that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, they're my, they're my snack rankings. And if you'd like to um, combat your 3 p.m. cravings by going on a sugar high and then coming down at 5 p.m. again only to set this cycle Again, you yeah. can follow my steps. Okay. <laughs> that leads us on to my next fact. Um, because I'm a little bit worried about you. Based Same. on the four, four snacks that you just... <laughs> and also between um, between facts, Emily has been like smashing Tic Tacs. Um, because I, I, I've been reading a lot about sugar this week. And one of the things I've been reading about is whether or not sugar is actually addictive. Um, And I've kind of got some bad news for (laughs) you based on your intake. This is an article from The Conversation, so written by a a, a proper academic. Um, They've basically drawn the line between what sugar does to our brain and what um, drugs do. So sweet foods are highly desirable due to the powerful impact sugar has on the reward system in the brain called the mesolimbic dopamine system. Uh, The neurotransmitter dopamine is released by neurons in this system in response to a rewarding event. Drugs such as cocaine, amphetamines, and nicotine hijack this brain system. uh, And activation of this system leads to intense feelings of reward that can result in cravings and addiction. So drugs and sugar both activate the same reward system in the brain causing the release of dopamine. That is what you are... Would you rather me take cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) Look, um, all I'm saying is that you you need to be careful because there's also such... uh, So, yes, it it, um, basically, if you follow the criteria of substance use disorders by the uh, uh, DSM-5 or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders... um, that they talk about um, craving continuing continuing use despite negative consequences. Mm. Em, is that something? Um, yes, I do have diabetes. <laughs> trying to quit but not managing to? <laughs> no, I'm not trying to quit. Okay. Uh, tolerance yeah. and withdrawal. Yeah. So when I was researching this, I actually often start with questions I have about the ingredient. <laughs> yeah. And one of them was... Why do I go into a coma after <laughs> having too much sugar? And I thought that would be a funny thing to explore, but then I 
looked up the sad world of diabetic comas. Yeah. Okay. Really, really yeah. not Yeah, no, not don't look funny. into that world. Um, so I want to point out that sugar tolerance also exists. So you need to be careful of that as well. Um, so there are uh, what happens is that dopamine receptors start to downregulate when you've had a lot of whatever's triggering your dopamine. Mm. So there are then fewer receptors for the dopamine to bind to. So the next time we eat these foods, their effect is blunted. So it's basically you're, you're chasing the dragon. Yeah. Um, and then it says the negative consequences of unrestrained consumption of sugary foods include weight gain, dental cavities, and developing metabolic disorders, including type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Well, I don't have that, actually. Okay. I have a different type. Okay. Um, but... Uh, I feel like I've been kind of lecturing you. Yeah, I really think that this isn't the place for that. <laughs> and like people listen to this podcast because they like food and they don't want to go, oh, I love sugar. I'm going to listen to the episode on sugar. Fuck you guys. I've got Sorry, good news. Sorry, I've tried to give up swearing on this podcast. I've really tried. I've got good news um, because I know that you're not a fan of the like I quit sugar movement. That is, it's is not that big. I'm not a fan. It's just that it has no interest in me. Well, me. because one of the things that they, they often do is use sugar replacements like agave and yeah. rice syrup. But I've, you know, I've dabbled in it. I've quit sugar before. I had, you know, rice, um, brown rice syrup in, in desserts and all that kind of stuff. But this article says that you're basically like they're just sugar in disguise and they activate the brain's reward system just as readily as sucrose. Really? So you might as well just keep with the Viennas and the yeah. Royal. Well, wait till you see my next fact. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> so I've got a snack for you that I'd like to discuss. Mm-hmm. comes in a cardboard box. It's wrapped in plastic. Uh-huh. And you need oh. to unroll it. Okay. To roll up. Yeah, roll up. <laughs> yep. Did, um... They have these when you're a kid. <laughs> they were, you, you laugh, but uh, they these came, these these hit the market when okay. I was a kid, and it was big news in the uh, yeah. late 1980s when these bad boys rolled around. Yeah, so they're basically like flat lollies that you kind of peel apart the plastic. Yeah, and they're colourful. Like I got the fruit salad ones that are green. Yeah. Yellow and red. Mm-hmm. You peel it off the plastic and kind of eat it. It's kind of sticky and it's real chewy. stretchy. Um, and they were pretty much the ultimate lunchbox snack mm. when I was a kid behind LCM bars. Yeah, see, they, um, they didn't they exist. Didn't exist yeah. Yeah. Um, were you allowed them in your lunch? Uh, roll-ups? Yeah. Mm, no, not so much. Yeah, I wasn't. Well, yeah. I never had them in my lunch. No. I think my mum drew the line at roll-ups. But... Um, Pat, my partner, was allowed roll-ups in his lunch. Mm. And I did some investigative journalism and talked to him about it. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. As a child, I was supposedly allergic to sugar. So my mum and dad wouldn't let me eat any lollies, no soft drinks in the house. Going to kids' parties, I was always told to, like, limit my intake. They weren't, like, there there weren't any health foods at these parties, but I just was told that I've got to be careful how much sugar I have. Yet, throughout primary school, roll-ups regularly appeared in my lunchbox. So I can only, I've never raised this with mum, (laughs) but I can only presume that they made it in there because they were real fruit flat out. (laughs) And I think that was the common consensus. Yeah. It's fruit, right? Yeah. The, yeah, ad, the ad said real real fruit, yeah. real fruit flat out. Mm-hmm. And the ad had vision of whole pieces of fruit being squashed so they're flat. Yeah. 
and then made into a roll up and that's what a roll up was. Yep. Um, and so here's the ad if you don't remember. Some kids like their fruit round. Some kids like their fruit long. Speaking for myself, I like my fruit flat out. <laughs> hey. Cause a roll up is a roll up, it's a tricky sort of stuff. And speaking for myself, I can never get enough. Tear them, you can share them, you can cut them on a plate. Roll them in a ball and give them to your mate. A roll up is a roll up if you like to mess about. Get Uncle Toby's roll ups. Real fruit flat out. Uncle Toby's fruit roll ups. They're real fruit flat out. So, as we now know, roll ups are basically lollies. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but in 2006, there was an ACCC. Uh, ruling that stated in future Uncle Toby's who produces roll-ups in Australia should not represent that roll-ups are made with 65% real fruit. Mm. List on the ingredients panel that a roll-up is equivalent to a specified percentage of fresh fruit. Run an ad that showed images of an apple being flattened into a roll-up and represent that roll-ups are made by converting a piece of fruit into a strip with minimal processing <laughs> or without further processing uh-huh. or other ingredients added. So, yeah, they got owned. <laughs> <laughs> and an article in the Sydney Morning Herald back in 2006 said, a standard roll-up also has 25% concentrated fruit, fruit paste and 2% apple juice concentrate. So less than a third of a roll-up consists of actual fruit product and according to the obesity prevention policy, coalition a single serve contains a measly 0.2 grams of dietary fiber whereas a real small apple contains two grams of dietary fiber so yeah the the stuff that's actually in a roll-up is maltodextrin that was what was in yeah tic tacs isn't it was it no that was dex oh it doesn't have the ingredients on the back back. yeah maltodextrin concentrated fruit puree Soluble, not sugar, soluble corn fiber, modified starch. Anyway, it's not real fruit. Um, but it's crazy to think that people would think a flat, chewy, colorful lolly like thing is a substitute for a piece of fruit. No. But such is the power of advertising. Yeah, it's, it told us it was real fruit yeah. flat out. And it's the field you and I both work in. <laughs> <laughs> so we're responsible for yeah. stuff like this. I'd love to have the roll ups account, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that was us. Yours. That was us pitching for it. I mine. smashed mine real quick. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to eat these things when I was a kid, and I don't let my kid eat them now. Although I did, he he picked picked them off the shelf at uh, at Aldi um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, my wife found the packet, and there was a lot of head shaking going on. Yeah, they're not they're not, they're not good for you. I'm start, I think I'm about to go into a sugar coma after eating that. Got four more, don't worry. Okay, I'm going to move things slightly. Um, into the field of language because I feel like we've talked a lot about food <laughs> on this yep. food podcast. <laughs> so uh, boring. And I want to talk to you about one of the – I was kind of just thinking about sugar words and there's a lot of them. And, you know, one of my one of my go-tos, I guess, is, um, you know, thinking about how the um, ingredient we're talking about is featured in um, popular culture or in music or, you know, film – and sugar is just all the way through everything. But one of the things that really popped out to me was the term sugar daddy. Mm. And I got thinking about like, where does that come from? And is it actually related to sugar in any way? So I did a little bit of digging. And of course, um, Reddit mm. uh, had, a, had a whole thread about where it came from. Um, so according to Reddit, 19, it's 1920s American slang. 
I referred to an older uh, man who would lavish a young woman with gifts in exchange for discreet sex uh, because a young single woman couldn't afford these gifts. Uh, she would claim that her father had bought it. And then being sugar um, as slang for you know physical romance, the phrase caught on quickly. So that's where that came from. Uh, another post said uh, its origin is listed as occurring in the period 1915 to 1920. First recorded uses in 1926. Um by then it had become a slang term for a man who offers money or gifts, companionship or, or intimacy, uh, in brackets, you know what I mean. And the Roaring Twenties gave momentum to its usage. Another post uh, talks about a specific example where it was used in uh, the news. Um, where uh, There was murder. The body of Dorothy Keenan Dot King was found in a New York apartment. She was a former model and unsuccessful actress who had become what people then called a vamp, uh, a woman who used her undoubted attractiveness to target men. Uh, and, and actually in the um, caption on the photograph in the newspaper of her uh, boyfriend, John Kearsley Mitchell, he was referred to as heavy sugar daddy of Dorothy Keenan King. So it was, that was in 1923, in New York. So there's, you know, basically... It was just a kind of a figurative term, sugar meaning sex, daddy meaning an older man. But that's like, and I kind of gave up on that. But then I found another article on a, a website called The Reporter Herald, which feels like a fake news website. <laughs> I'm sorry if you are, are listening to The Reporter Herald. But uh, this story referred to a very specific, specific example. So in 1908... Adolf Spreckles, heir to the Spreckles sugar fortune, along with his brother. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's two brothers that were heir to a sugar fortune. Uh, Adolf married a woman 24 years his junior. Alma was apparently quite a babe. This is what it says in this fake news article. She called her husband Adolf, Adolf her sugar daddy. So that was literal. Oh, right. 1908. Like, there was a literal sugar mm. daddy. So it actually came from somewhere. Sugar, is there anything it can't do? So is that true? Uh, sure. It's on the <laughs> internet, right? It's not on Reddit. Yeah. So it must be real. I think that people who are voting should take that in mind <laughs> when they <laughs> vote. <laughs> Okay, so what do we talk about? Well, first of all, I blew Tic Tacs wide open. You sure yep, did. Crazy. Uh, I talked about the advent of the sugar cube. Then I ranked my favourite 3pm slump work snacks. Then I diagnosed Emily's sugar addiction, mm. but then made her feel better by saying you might as well just eat sugar, right? Yeah. Made me feel better. <laughs> um, and then I investigated roll-ups and their history in lunchboxes. And then I talked about the advent of the word sugar daddy. Very hmm. historical and scientific. Yeah. Oh, God, you're going to win this <laughs> so much. Yeah, so you can vote for whose facts you thought were best on Instagram, at Ingridopedia. Um, like Ben's um, picture for Ben's facts, like mine for my facts. And yeah, if you want to um, us to cover a specific ingredient, let us know via our website because that would be excellent. Yeah, keep them rolling in. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, thanks very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
拜。